2939000 is your local number. You can also call our toll-free number, 888-970-9329. And you can email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, well, we have um, we have weather in North Dakota. There's no joke. <laughs> the, the winter weather is here. It's all over the state. Schools, functions all over the state are uh, are closed down. We, of course, uh, here on WDY will keep you up to date with all that, so stay tuned. Weather update, the latest news update, stay tuned right here. Uh, but in terms of uh, what's going on down at the uh, protest camp, uh, the Dakota Access protest camp, it is um, it is an ugly, potentially a very ugly situation down there. And I think for a while now, Governor Jack Dalrymple, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, even in recent days, uh, Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault has been warning the protesters to get out of there, uh, to go home, and uh, the weather is a big part of those warnings, and they haven't been heeding, and now heeding those warnings, and now we're in a potentially ugly situation. Uh, coming up here at 1.30, going to talk with uh, Charmaine Whiteface. She's a, a columnist, uh, an activist, uh, a member of the... Uh, of, of, of the Sioux uh, people. Uh, she's going to be on the program about her call as a, as a tribal elder for the protesters to leave the camp. Uh, also coming up here in just a moment, we're also going to join us, uh, State Senator Tom Campbell, who was uh, coming to us live from the organizational session over in Bismarck. We'll talk with him. Also coming up at 2 o'clock p.m., State Representative Rick Becker is going to be on the program as well, uh, given his perspective on the, uh, the new legislative session that uh, is going to be uh, convening in earnest come January. So, uh, once again, your phone call, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. You can email me, uh, talk at WDAY.com. Uh, but now let's go to our first guest, State Senator uh, Tom Campbell. And uh, Senator Campbell, how are you? Uh, cold and a little windy, but, you know, it's a typical winter day in Bismarck, and uh, it's warm inside. Been in the Capitol all, all, all day. Yeah, we've... Um, you know, it's 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 tough weather out there. What's uh, how's the organizational session been so far? What's the buzz down there? You know, it it's kind of typical. It's a three day uh, happens every other year. You know, in the uh, pre session for the you know, session starts January third, and and a lot of it's just kind of busy work. Uh, you know, like election of the secretary of the senate, like selection of our seats, um, getting our committee assignments, um, different things like that. Of course, the uh, the governor's uh, governor Jack Dorupel, who I just had lunch with, he's only going to be in the office for like nine more days. He gives his budget and his proposal, spending proposals, uh, tomorrow at uh, ten o'clock for a joint session, and that's always interesting to see um, what he's proposing because it's especially this year where we're you know probably about one point six billion dollars upside down, uh, a little less revenue than our expenses. So that'll be interesting to see what some of the things that he's addressed at, you know, what, what we're looking at and some of the ideas we have. So that's uh, going to be interesting. And then, of course, um, he gives his budget, and then he leaves office, uh, you know, nine days later. So that's always interesting the way it works out, especially when you have a new, you know, Doug Bergman and his whole 
new staff and his departments are going to be coming in, so um, it's going to be interesting to see what he thinks of his budget because he's going to be the man in charge, and uh, we have to deal with it starting January 3rd. How bad? How bad is this budget? I mean, we've been hearing so far, and we had falling revenues throughout. We've had to do one uh, update to revenue projections after another. Uh, you know, so the the rumors are this is going to be a budget bloodbath heading into this session. How bad is it going to be? You know, I would disagree with that. You know, there's there's no question in my mind that that uh, the legislature and our state has spent probably a little more money than we should have. But you got to remember. Um, a, a, a big percentage of it was given back in the form of uh, tax rebates, uh, especially property tax. And then also, two are funding our schools, you know, uh, 80% of that uh, $1,200 per student. So a lot of the money that we've been spending, in essence, or part of the budget, has been coming back. Um, like I said, we're about $1.6 billion short. Um, we sketched it out with Rich Wardner, our majority leader, and we've, we've looked at some rough sketches. And, of course, we're going to have to debate a lot of these things. But um, I think it's doable. Uh, if we keep roughly a you know, 90% budget on all the departments, that's going to save about $160 million. Um, we're anticipating a 4% growth in uh, sales tax and income taxes, which would be about a little over $200 million. I'm just going to put out some of the big things here. Um, the street strategic investment and improvement fund, the SIF fund, has $330 million that we can use. That's an ongoing fund. And the Foundation Aid and Stabilization Fund, which is uh, uh, basically funded from roughly about 10% of the oil tax, um, that's going to be about $330 million. So we have some rainy day funds, which we're, I'm pretty proud of, our state has, has had. Um, we also can possibly tap the Legacy Fund um, as of July this year, uh, two-thirds vote in both houses. Um, that's going to be a big debate. You know, do we spend – we've – kind of got penciled in to debate maybe $100, $120 million of spending just the interest, not not touching the principal, um, because it truly is kind of a legacy rainy day fund, and I believe it, it's kind of raining in our state right now. So that's going to be on the table for discussion. And, of course, you know, Eric Hardmeyer and the Bank of North Dakota on Fusion, that could be anywhere between $100 and $200 million. So if you add them all up with the budget cuts of 10%, we can get there. And, uh, you know, we're ag and oil are cyclical commodity-driven industries. Um, it's nothing new. Uh, it's been going on forever. So we're ready for this with our rainy day funds, and, and I think uh, the people of North Dakota realize that. And uh, so, no, to answer your question, it's a long, long answer. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with it. It's no different than anybody else's home budgets or their businesses where they have to make adjustments when things get a little rougher. And uh, um, I always say that basically our, our state... Uh, um, Tough times uh, are here, but uh, tough people of North Dakota can prevail, and we'll get through it just like we did in the 80s and the 90s. 701-293-9000, you join the program, 888-970-9329. You know, we've had these uh, Dakota Access protests going on for a while now. Have you guys seen any of that? I, I know there were extra security measures put in place up at the uh, up at the session. Have you guys had any problems? Have you seen anything going on up there? Not a thing. We've had a little bit. Tighter security are the west door entrance where we typically come in. We have to use our private key cards. Uh, otherwise, we just walk in before anything after 7. Um, other than that, not a thing. It's pretty quiet here. I should be saying that. That might drive people here. But uh, my hotel last night, um, we saw a few people that were staying there, about 30 or 40 people. They were peaceful. We just saw them walking around. So other than that, 
Um, no, I haven't seen a thing. And of course, I haven't driven south. I'm, I'm half tempted to do that tomorrow because, you know, they're not obviously leaving. And um, I think they're anticipating uh, what's going to happen when, when the Trump administration gets in here. So uh, they're, they're not, most of them aren't going home the way it looks like. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the program. Uh, speaking about the Trump administration, you know, we've heard some things about um, Senator Heitkamp and Congressman Kramer potentially getting uh, cabinet seats, uh, seats in, in the Trump administration, either one or, or both of them. Um, obviously, that would open up some opportunities here in North Dakota, uh, but will be at the, the Senate or, or the House, depending on what happens. And we don't know if anything's going to happen at this point. But you're somebody who's expressed interest in Congress uh, if, if a seat opened up in the Senate or the House, would you run? Uh, yes, a- absolutely. I kind of uh, officially announced that if a seat opened up, and there's a lot of ifs, of course, it has to happen, I- I'm going to be ready. I'm ready in the sidelines right now to jump in with, with both feet. I've already been you know, preparing for it for quite a while. And then, too, of course, if it didn't happen, I would be ready for the 2018. Of course, both seats will be up. Uh, the House is up every two years uh, and then of course Heidi will be up in 2018 because of her six-year term is ending so for sure I'll be in uh throw my hat in the ring in 2018 and if not uh, before if Kevin gets the nod or or Heidi either one I'll be uh, right there to uh, offer the chance to to uh, run to fill their their vacancies obviously if we had a uh, if we had a special election like that it would be on a very short timeline state law whether it's a senator house vacancy basically requires the the governor which would be Burgum by mr Burgum by that point uh to call a special election within some 95 days it's a very short timeline it's not like a usual election what would you i mean i mean in 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 that sort of a of a condensed timeline what's your message to voters because i i i know for a fact there's going to be other republicans who want to run i'm certain you know democrats although they're in pretty rough shape these days they're going to find a candidate What's what's your message to the people of North Dakota that set you apart from these other people that that says this is the guy we should have in Congress? Um, you know, I think our country and our state, you know, has just spoken at the polls uh, loud and clear that they're ready for a change, as you can see what what happened. And uh, you know, my heart is telling me now is the right time to to help our great state, and I feel I'm the right guy to help make North Dakota great. And uh, um, I just you know that the, the traditional. Uh, Republican conservative values. Uh, I, I like Trump's uh, take on less taxes. Um, I think that's a that's a huge thing. It, it stems back to Reaganomics. You know, less regulation. You know, I think we need to continue to diversify our economy. Um, I've got a lot of expertise on the UAS, the, the drones, especially out of Grand Forks and the airbase. What's happening there? That that's a great avenue for diversifying our economy. You know, Obamacare. I'm on a hospital board. I've got a lot of experience. With healthcare, lots of ideas on how we can transition that. It looks like that's going to be probably uh, torn apart somewhat. A lot of there's a few good things, um, but yet I'd, I'd love to uh, to make some suggestions and help there. Um, you know, our, our EPA it's really been frustrating. I'm involved in a lot of businesses and farming, of course, is our core business. That the amount of, in essence, the unelected power that the EPA has been doing and dictating over the last quite a few years has just been a huge put a huge burden on our businesses and, and even a lot of individuals and families and i think that has to be stopped and i think you know um donald trump is is for that uh it's so frustrating that there's been so many um you know mandates that aren't funded that they're forcing people uh, what to do you know the, the clean waters act is uh, one of them they're telling farmers they have to you know 
control all their their wetlands and any places. So those are some of the things that I'm going to be looking at promoting uh, if I was uh, fortunate enough to be elected. Senator Campbell, thanks for your time. You betcha. Nice talking to you. You State Senator Tom Campbell. More coming up straight ahead on the Rob Report. Don't go away. Report WDAY 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We, um, oh, by the way, it, it's an extended edition of the show today uh, because Jay Thomas, of course, uh, I'm sure you listened yesterday, was out at the uh, protest camp south of Bismarck, was trying to make his way home today, and uh, got stuck in a blizzard. And they ended up, uh, they, they got a hotel, they're going to be staying overnight in Bismarck. So uh, it's going to be a shortened Jay Thomas show today, a little bit longer Rob report today uh, because of that. But uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to make it all work. Uh, so anyway, Jay is going to be broadcasting live from a snowbank somewhere in Bismarck. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be worth your time. Knowing Jay, he'll make it fun. Uh, let's see. Oh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. I, I think it is absolutely in our, our next guest coming up in the next segment, uh, here in, uh, about five, 10 minutes, we're going to have on Charmaine Whiteface. Uh, she is a, she, she is not pro pipeline. Uh, she is a, a native American member of the Sioux tribe. Uh, but she wrote a column for the Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, uh, Argus leader in which she called for the protesters to leave the camps. Uh, she says, you know, essentially you've you've made your point and it's it's time to move on. And I I thought it was a really good perspective, particularly and she wrote this a few days ago, I, I think before a lot of this this severe weather today uh, set in. But I think she makes a really good point, And it's again, it's it's something the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has asked the protesters to clear that land. Governor Jack Dalrymple has asked the protesters to clear that land. Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault was asking the protesters to go home. The common theme between all of those is concerns about the weather. And it's just amazing to me to watch all of these activists, you know, all over social media and on television, uh, you know, broadcasting from their hotel rooms, writing Facebook posts uh, from their hotel rooms and that, or their studios on the coasts or whatever, talking about how the protesters ought to stay and stick it out, laughing off these warnings about the weather. They don't have a clue. It is it is so irresponsible to ask these protesters to stick it out in this weather. They are putting their they're putting their lives in danger. And and listen, the, the organizers of these protests so far have have shown a, a willingness to use you know sort of the rank and file activists, the rank and file protesters as cannon fodder, right? Encouraging them to get arrested, encouraging them to fight with the police, and now they're encouraging them to camp in in what is frankly dangerous weather. And, and I realize they got yurts, they got teepees, and I'm sure they've got some people down there with some experience in camping out in, in winter weather. But that camp is dependent on regular deliveries of food and and, and firewood and, and propane. What if those deliveries can't get through anymore? I mean, there is a there is a disaster, a potential disaster in the making down there. So far, thankfully, nobody's died, but there have been dozens. I'm seeing reports of dozens of people being treated for frostbite. 
and other problems related to the cold. There was already, we got a report on Sunday of a protester that was from Moorhead that was in a serious accident. When even the Standing Rock chairman, David Archambault, was saying it's time to wrap it up, it's time to go home, maybe it's time to heed the warning. We'll talk with Charmaine Whiteface about this a little bit more in the next segment. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. We uh, are my guests now, and I've, I've been talking about... Um, I've been talking about the situation down at the camps, and I, I think it's a, a potentially dangerous situation today, uh, particularly because the, the weather, you, you know, the, the we may not be getting as much snow, but temperatures are set to plunge. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of the forecasts, and, I mean, we're talking about highs that are below zero. That sort of weather is dangerous. Uh, that sort of weather can create dangerous situations in, in multiple ways, and I, I think anybody encouraging these protesters to, to stay out there camping in this sort of weather is, is being irresponsible. I, I, I'm, I'm all politics aside, it's not about the pipeline or, or whatever else. It's about keeping people safe. They need to get inside. They need to get to shelter. And uh, I, that, that is a point, uh, part of the point, I, I think, that was made by my next guest, Charmaine uh, Whiteface. Charmaine is a um, Lakota speaker. She is a member of the Great Sioux Nation. She wrote a column uh, for the Argus Leader recently calling for the protesters to leave the camps. I quote from that column, This camp started as a spiritual camp whose purpose was to pray for good water for the people. The next step then is to trust that your prayers were heard. You go home and go on with your life knowing that your prayers will be answered. You need to do this so you'll be out of the way of whatever the Creator has in mind. You need to step aside and let the big spirits do whatever they are going to do. You need to get out of the way to let the miracle happen. Uh, Charmaine, first of all, thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I suspect that you and I have different points of view on the pipeline, and that's fine. Um, but, but tell us about this column. Why, why, why did you write this? Um, I was asked to by other elders, both at Standing Rock and at Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. I have been a writer for a number of years, and everybody knows that I am a writer. I used to be a columnist, and so that's why I wrote this. But it wasn't, I mean, this I wrote November 29th, <clears throat> but in September, mid-September, a number of us went up there and talked to the young people and reminded them of this, that you prayed, you already said your prayers, so now go home. So we have been saying this for a while, not just. Not just since the uh, cold weather has started. Uh, do you feel like do you feel like the cold weather though is an additional threat? I mean, I I'm concerned <laughs> about this, and I'm not. You know, to me, it's it's not even about the pipeline. It's just about keeping people safe. Having thousands of people camped out, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, uh, in in this sort of weather, to me, seems very very dangerous. Are you are you concerned about that? I am totally concerned. Yes, I I used to teach in Fort Yates, so I know how cold it can get up there. <laughs> yeah, it's no joke. I mean, we laugh, but it's, I mean, it's its funny until it's its not anymore. Right. Well, let, let, let me tell you, because you, you said you, you visited the camp back earlier this year, and, and you talked about this, maybe needing to, to close the camps down. What was the reaction from the protesters when you said that? Because i, I got to say, recently, uh, within the last couple of days, Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault has come out and sort of said, 
you know, something similar. It's it's time to go home, and he cited the weather, but he also cited, you know, we've we've been heard, right. uh, we've made a lot of progress, um, you know, so it's time to pack up, go home, and, and a lot of protesters are saying no. They should respect what uh, President Archambault is saying. You know, he's the elected leader for the people of Standing Rock, and so if he's saying it's time to go home, then, and I agree, they have, they have. Uh, accomplished their purpose. They got it stopped. Whether it will be stopped permanently or not, then trust your prayers. You know, if it is going to be stopped permanently, trust your prayers. But <clears throat> when I say this, then people say, but what if, what if, what if? There are reasons for everything. And that's the other part that we have to trust. If we pray about something and it doesn't happen exactly the way we think, then maybe there are other reasons involved. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. If you want to join the program, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. We have uh, talking with uh, Charmaine Whiteface, uh, who is a, uh, a, a, a an elder in the Great Sioux Nation. Is that is that accurate, Charmaine? I don't want to. Yes. Yeah, yes. an, an el- elder in the Great Sioux Nation, a columnist, well, a widely respected activist. Charmaine, these protests have at times. Um, become violent, um, and I there's there's finger pointing on both sides for for who's to blame. When I have spoken to to law enforcement sources, they say that that a lot of the actors, the people, uh, you know, who we've seen lighting fires and throwing rocks, are are not Native Americans. Uh, do you worry uh, about the the way this protest has been perceived and 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 what it might mean for those of us who live in this part of country? You know, the the non tribal communities and the tribal communities and our ability to get along going forward? Um, I was, you know, I'm old enough that I remember the protests of the 60s. I I also know that whenever they do have protests of this kind, there will be the radical element, I'll call it. Uh, they might be agitators. Maybe they're even paid to come in to cause the agitation. We don't know. But what I do know is that then the protest loses its message. And what I'm hearing from the camp is that there are people with other agendas than clean water for Standing Rock. To stick to the focus of it, clean water, you know, making sure the Missouri River was not polluted, that was the intent, the original intent, and the original intent of that Sacred Stone Spirit Camp. And so... That's where it needs to stay, that same focus, clean water. But I've heard that there are a lot of others with other agendas that are coming up there, and that always happens. Whenever you get something very public, it it always happens. There are going to be people that are going to come in with their own agendas and cause disruption and and not understand our way of doing things Um if I was up there and not a spiritual person, but if President Archambault said, now it's time to go home and break camp, out of respect to his position and his authority, I would leave. And I think that's what needs to happen, although you know there's going to be this radical element that's not going to listen to anybody. And it makes it, 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 makes it really hard, and it, and it makes it sad that it's going to... You know, because people will remember this is from a reservation. It was started by Indians. So then they're going to be blaming us for anything that 
anything that happens. And no, it's I agree with you. There are good people and there are bad people on both sides. And so there are there the police officers I hired to do their job. Um, who are the who who is really causing all of this stuff? Um, you know that's where we we have prayed a lot of many many places, and we pray and then we go home, trusting that our prayers will be heard, and Sean. whatever reason for our prayers that there will be an answer. Sean sends in the message. He says, "Now this is the type of Sioux wisdom I came to know and respect." which has been missing from this whole conflict. Do you feel that way, Charmaine, that, that maybe your message of, of certainly resistance to the pipeline, and that's something, you know, Chairman Archambault, I don't doubt for a minute his convictions about the pipeline, although I personally disagree with them. Um, I don't doubt his conviction for a moment, but at times it just seems like this message about peacefulness and prayerfulness has been missing, if not in words, at least in action from the protesters. Right, right, that's what I see too. Well, Charmaine, I, I appreciate your point of view. If, if you had, we have about 30 seconds left. If you had one message for the protesters today, what would it be? Um, it's time to go home. All right, Charmaine, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back with more of the Rob Report right after this. Don't go away. Commenter on SayAnythingBlog.com asking where all the Hollywood celebrities are today. Not down at the protest camp where it's super duper cold and snowy. <laughs> it's going to get colder. Oh, it's it's just amazing. I hope everybody's safe down there. I really do. Uh, let's see. Uh, by the way, uh, normally this would be the end of the Rob Report and we'd be moving you on to the Jay Thomas Show. But uh, today, Jay, uh, due to some uh, weather, and, and Jay's having some trouble getting back to Fargo today because of the weather, uh, I'm going to be doing two hours, and Jay's going to be doing a shortened show uh, starting at 3 o'clock. So stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up in the next hour, uh, State Representative Rick Becker is uh, going to be on the program. And actually, uh, was, I was actually just texting with uh, former Governor Ed Schaefer, and uh, he's going to be on the program as well. Coming up here at 2.30. Uh, uh, which should come as a surprise to the producer as well, but I'll get you that info in just a moment. Um, yeah, all that coming up in uh, in the next hour. And uh, and and like I said, I I, I think at this point, in terms of safety, we've got to set the politics aside. And I it, it is so irresponsible for the protest organizers to continue to urge these protesters to camp out in this sort of condition. Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault is saying, go home. You have other Sioux elders. We just heard from one, Charmaine Whiteface, saying, go home. Uh, it's time for these protesters to go home. If they want to continue protesting the pipeline uh, in a safer location, hey, have at it. It's First Amendment, baby. If you want to come back, uh, I hope they don't come back and trespass on this land again. But, you know, nothing's stopping them in the future. But for now, get out of the cold. Let's let's because let's by the way. While they're out there, that forces our men and women of law enforcement to have to be out there as well. And that's just, it's just not fair. More to come straight ahead. 
701-293-9000, Thanks for listening. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Rob Report here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, Normally you'd be listening to the Jay Thomas Show in this hour, but uh, Jay got snowed in over in Bismarck. He was out uh, visiting the protest camps and uh, couldn't make it all the way back. So to uh, sort of accommodate that, uh, I'm doing uh, an extra hour of my show, and then he'll be uh, doing two hours of his show starting at 3 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Uh, our guest to start off this hour uh, in a moment going to be talking with State Representative Rick Becker. Uh, they coming on uh, later at two thirty. Going to be talking with former uh, Governor uh, Ed Schaefer uh, coming up here at two thirty. So if you want to join the program, seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine is the toll free number. You can email talk at wday dot com. Uh, State Representative uh, Rick Becker. How's things going? You're out there for the organizational session uh, where uh, lawmakers do a lot of stuff like uh, you get training on how the different, you know, computer systems work and how the, the legislative process works and, uh, and and probably need it this time around because there's a lot of new faces down there in Bismarck. Yeah, there's a lot of new faces. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. A lot of training, uh, even for those of us that are coming back, um, you know, we'll brush up on the uh, computer stuff, the iPad uh, stuff. There's new applications. And so uh, there's all of that. There's picking the seats uh, where you're going to be at in the chamber, which sounds like it's uh, very unimportant, but yet <laughs> seems to be one of the more uh, exciting things that occurs. And um, uh, the committee. Do you, do you guys jockey? I, they tell, I mean, what's what's the criteria? I mean, what's what's the plum spot? Where does everybody want to sit? Uh, well, uh, people like the back row. I'm not fond of the back row because I don't want I don't want uh, um, passers-by to be able to see what I have on my screen, but uh, the back row is is enjoyed. I think it's because you can just step back and have a cup of coffee or something without being noticed. But uh, I happen to like aisles because I like uh, a little space. So I don't know. Everyone's got their own thing. It's <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. Well, now that we know that uh, you don't want people to see you playing Warcraft or something on your computer during session, <laughs> I guess that's. <laughs> No, not so much gaming as it is. Well, I'll say no, not so much video gaming as it is uh, gaming politically. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, is it is is it a um, a situation where where people? Uh, I I wonder if if the cameras because obviously the last couple of sessions we've had a a, a very good uh, video streaming service. A lot of people watch it. Are people concerned now about being in the background when a lot of people are speaking, you know, in case you, you know, you're caught picking your nose or sleeping or something? Is that, I mean, does that enter into people's thoughts now? Well, I, I yeah, that's a great question because um, it's not really, it's not at the forefront of people's awareness. And, you know, maybe it, maybe it will be for, for younger people because they're, they're, I guess, just used to more video type things and it's relatively new, but um, I, there, I, I think that there's the occasional reminder um, to to uh, be aware, and it's nothing that anyone's doing bad. But yeah, you know, you don't want to be scratching your nose or blowing your nose or chewing on a candy bar if if uh, uh, you know if you're oblivious to the fact that the whole world can see you. 
You, earlier this year, you ran for governor um, in the primary. You were unsuccessful. Uh, you, you lost at the uh, at the party's convention. Uh, Attorney General Wayne Stengem won, but went on to be defeated in the primary by Doug Burgum. Uh, so now you're, you're back in the legislature, uh, but you were running to be in that governor's seat. You had, you know, you, you talked a lot about some of the fiscal challenges our state was facing. As a lawmaker getting ready for the 2017 session, which starts next month. What are your priorities? I mean, what what, what, what does the state have to tackle? Well, priorities are, are overall the same as they've always been. Um, the the significance of, say, the, the um, spending, the budget, may be a little bit lower because um, when, you, you know, when we're flush with money, there's a great deal of um, temptation uh, and pressure to to spend it all, and and you know we we, we spent quite a bit. Um, now that we don't have any kind of surplus, and in fact we have a shortfall in many ways, um, those those sorts of efforts on on my part and the part of uh, us fiscal conservatives are are really you know they're not going to be necessary. It's just there's just not the money to spend. Now there may be other other fights related, for instance, with the a legacy fund, and and if uh, any of that's going to be spent, and how much, and and on what. Um, but I, I I think it's going to be kind of fun because we can focus on some other policy type issues, and and um, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a different dynamic than it has been. I mean, certainly this is your first new governor. You were you were elected uh, under Governor Jack Downer, right? You never served under Hoven, right? Correct. Right, yeah. So, so you've been under one governor the whole time, and and really, a lot of lawmakers. Because if you consider it, I mean, Dalrymple was was lieutenant governor under John Hoven, who was governor from two thousand, and Dalrymple has I, even as part of the Hoven administration was always very involved in the budget. So we have really had since two thousand, uh, you know, the, so, sort of the same tempo, the same philosophy, the the, the same approach to the budget. Uh, and certainly Governor Downrumple is, is going to deliver, I mean, this will technically be his budget uh, and his budget address, you know, be sort of one of his last acts as, as governor before handing the reins over to uh, uh, Governor-elect Burgum later this month. But Burgum's going to be the governor during the session. Do you expect the dynamic to change? How are things going to be like to work with a new governor? Well, I'm, I think it's going to be positive. Um, you know, Doug's going to have, I think you use the word tempo. I, you know, I think that might be a good descriptive word. He's going to have his own way of doing things. And um, it, it's, I, I think different is good. Um, how his budget's going to be, we'll see. Um, and he's, as you said, we're going to be working on Dalrymple's budget. Probably one of the good things is going to be somewhat uh, of the dynamic. And, and that is that... Um, it's good to have some friction, if you will, between the governor and the legislature. You know, there should be three branches of government, and and if uh, if the governor and the legislature are just, you know, totally simpatico, you know, the, it not isn't necessarily going to be as good of a product as if there's a little bit of tension and so, um, and or, or friction and and. Um, you know, we, I've, I've been saying that, and, and others have too, that, that maybe we could have used a little bit more friction between legislature and Dalrymple or legislature and Hoven. Um, but uh, there, there may be a little bit more with Burgum because of how things were with the primary, and he upset the endorsed candidate. I, uh, that's not to say that I think there'll be animosity. There, I, I, 
I don't expect that at all. But I, I think that maybe there'll be a more healthy relationship, I think, healthy in, in the sense of what's good for the state. Especially because, and, and last question, I mean, Dalrymple was a longtime lawmaker before he joined the executive branch. Burgum is probably, I mean, this is his first elected office. He is he is fresh into it. He's never had anything but the executive branch. Do you think that plays into it where a guy coming in, he's he's been an executive in the private sector now he's going to be a, an executive in, in the public sector you think that's going to contribute to this healthier relationship you're talking about which which by the way i agree with yeah i i do in in two ways number one uh he's an outsider and a business guy he's gonna hopefully have bold fresh ideas you know if he doesn't then there was no sense in in him throwing his hat in the ring so i expect he's gonna have bold fresh ideas the other thing is because he's an outsider because he ran against the endorsed uh candidate you know, the legislature is not going to be afraid to say, you know, we we disagree. And I think there maybe has been reluctance in the past for the past, uh, what would it be, uh, 16 years um, to 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 um, have an overt disagreement. And I think disagreements are good. That's how you get a good product. Well, I, I agree with that entirely. Uh, Representative Becker, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. You bet, Rob. Anytime. State Representative Rick Becker, more to come straight ahead. Hey, we're going to talk with uh, former Governor Ed Schaefer, who is a Burgum backer. We'll talk with him about maybe some of the dynamics of a new governor coming in uh, to uh, to a new legislative uh, session, coming into the job for the first time. That's coming up here at 2.30. Don't go away. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. This. this is the 70s show theme. It is, but it's the original song. Oh, I had no idea that that was a... Who sings the original song? Uh, the original is by Big Star. I had no idea that that was... It's called In the Street by Big Star. Now, is it the, the 70s show theme, isn't it a mashup with, like, um, Cheap Trick, too? Or am I just completely imagining Oh, things? man, I'm not sure who actually does that theme song it's a great question know. it's it's just that uh i don't know i guess i'll have to listen to this you'll have to text me the name into this one off it. i liked that that was nice it sounded to me i thought it was like a modern cover that's great <laughs> you learned something new big star let's see when this was made it would be hmm i mean it probably is from the 80s i would say yeah or the late 70s you think it's got to be the 70s for that 70s show? It's got to be the 70s. Late 70s. Though. Or actually early 70s. Number yeah. one record, 1972. Wow. 1972. Big 1972. star. 1972. Eight years before I was born. It's good music, though. I well, like there you it. There go. 701 We've been talking about the legislative session. We've been talking about the uh, Dakota Access protesters. Um, no incidents so far. Up at the legislature, which is nice to hear. It's probably because all the protesters are busy trying to not freeze to death down in their camps. Uh, I say that lightly. I, I hope the protesters are being safe down there. I hope they get out and, and find safety. I hope they stop listening uh, to all of these these left-wing activists and media types and everything who are urging them to stay. Uh, 
they don't know how dangerous it is out here. You made your point. We heard from a, we, you know, Chairman Archambault of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe is saying go home. Uh, had, a, had a Sioux elder, a Charmaine Whiteface, on this program earlier. Uh, she says go home. Uh, we have heard again and again how the you know the non-white protesters are coming. Or, excuse me, the, the white protesters coming in. Um, you know the, the the activists coming in and non non Native American activists coming in and saying you know how much that they, they want to respect and they're doing this for the elders and they're going to respect the elders. Well, the tribal leadership is saying go home, right? So I think it's time to to go home. But anyway, up at the legislative session, uh, they haven't been any incidents that they do have new you know metal detectors. Uh, there, which, uh, you know, I, I think is a good precaution. Um, I'm, it seems as though they're trying to preserve easy public access. I, I don't think a lot of people, if, if you've never been out to Bismarck for our legislative session, uh, you, you should go sometime when the legislature's in, in session. Um, not just because every, everybody should watch how this stuff actually works. Uh, it might give you an appreciation. A lot of people have opinions about politics. Not a lot of people show up when the governing actually happens. So you should go out and, and see it for yourself. I, I think that's a good thing. And also appreciate that in North Dakota, it's more open than, than in just about any other state. I mean, North Dakota is is really a special state. You, you go to other states, uh, and, and it's it's tough to, to get into the legislative chamber, uh, even up to and including Washington, D.C. I've tried to you know go into Congress. you got to go through multiple metal detectors, and it's you got to get a special ticket. I mean, you don't get to just go in. In North Dakota, you get to just go in. Um, if you want to go in there, about the only thing that will get you in trouble is if you touch that that brass railing behind the lawmakers. You'll get in trouble for touching that. They don't want fingerprints on that. Other than that, you're free to roam around. Um, it's a great you – can, you can roam right into the governor. You can't walk into his personal office, but you can go right into the governor's office, the reception area. Um, a lot of people see if he's in, you know, if he's got time maybe to say hi. Uh it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. And one thing that I have been afraid of with these protests going on is that they were going to target our very, very open legislature for, you know, what they call direct action, where they come in. And and even if they're not going to vandalize or be violent, although we've certainly seen the state capitol be vandalized uh, during these protests so far, uh, even if they just come in and occupy and, and disrupt proceedings, you know, the repercussions of that is going to be a crackdown on security that's going to make it harder for we North Dakotans, whether we're tribal members or non-tribal members or whoever, to get in there and, and, and see our government at work. And and that would be a shame. You know, here in North Dakota, the lawmakers list their, their, their sometimes their, their home addresses, sometimes their home phone numbers, sometimes their, their private cell phone numbers. Right on their legislative pages. You know, we have one of the most accessible governments in the country. And I don't want to see that changed. I don't I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that uh, to go another way. More to come straight ahead. Former Governor Ed Schaefer is going to be calling in. Your phone call, 701-293-9000, Don't go away. Good afternoon. Welcome back, Rob Report. And normally you'd be hearing the Jay Thomas show here. If you're confused, Jay's stuck over in Bismarck. But he's going to be back next hour. I'm just taking over an hour of his show, help him out a little bit as he uh, tries to put together a uh, improvised broadcast location because <laughs> he couldn't get back. The weather sucks. 
<laughs> it's not great. Also known as December in North Dakota, but we love it, right? That's why we love this place. And someone uh, who I know loves North Dakota, former Governor Ed Schaefer, joining me uh, right now. And uh, Governor, I, I don't know. I, on one hand, this sort of weather is is a little bit annoying. On the other hand, it is kind of nice, though. I mean, as long as you're inside and you're warm somewhere and you're kind of, you know, in the evening snuggled away, maybe you start a fire, read a book. There's nothing quite like that feeling, too. It's all good. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. It's good to be with you. Um, and you're right. It is all these days when, it's, you know, it's kind of ugly and windy and blowy out there to to cuddle up and fire and a good book. I mean, that's, a, that's what North Dakota is all about. Yeah, it's sort of a love-hate relationship I have with this one. I hate it when I'm out snow blowing, but I'm, I love it when uh, I'm inside and I'm warm. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, legislative session. You were uh, you were somebody who backed Doug Burgum, uh, who uh, ran a successful primary and then general election campaign to be our governor-elect, soon to be governor. Um, and he is going to be entering in his first legislative session. I had a couple of lawmakers on, Senator Tom Campbell, State Representative Rick Becker. They both sound pretty excited to uh, to work with the new governor. Uh, we've been hearing some rumblings, though, about lawmakers saying Burgum's got a, a steep learning curve. He's going to be coming in. He's got some things to learn. Uh, you were a governor who came you know, pretty much straight from the private sector into the executive branch. What advice or what, what insight do you have to this situation? Well, the, you know, North Dakota has kind of a crazy system, Rob, because we <clears throat> have our governor elected in the off year, so to speak, or the year that uh, leads up to the legislative chamber meeting. So in, in our state, the governor takes office on December 15th, and then right away the first week in January, the legislative session starts. So, you're you know, you're – just hitting the ground as governor and you've got to present a budget you've got to you know push forth policy you've got to you know learn the legislative uh effort and and uh you know what's going on the dynamics of the legislative system all of that has to be put on the table immediately when you take office so it's an interesting time very intense um you know you rebuild the budget from when the governor outgoing governor gives it until you know the, the uh, few weeks into January, so you know it's just massive amount of work that be done at the same time that you're staffing up the office and that you're putting um, cabinet members in place, all of that. So it's a it's an interesting time. It just is uh, you know it's, it doesn't work that way in all the states, but you know for North Dakota um, we kind of pile it all on a rookie yeah. you know wet behind the ears governor. Well, you, what's, what's interesting to me is that because of that timeline that you're talking about, and maybe you could give us some insight here, how does it work? Because you, you essentially you have the governor coming in. He's he's got a legend. He, he's going to be governor later this month. Um, but yet the budget for the first biennium in office, which is basically half of his first term, is going to be written by governor downripple or governor downripple is the one giving the budget address so, i mean so so how does that work i mean does does burgum just just throw that one in the garbage and do his own or i mean does this does this even i, I mean it, it just seems weird to me that we have a governor who's going to be out in just a little more than a week delivering a budget address to the legislature yeah and that's kind of the process and kind of you know it's it's the way it works and and the the way that we did it you know when i came in is he used the outgoing governor's budget as a base. 
You know, it's there. You know, what, what you have that the governor puts on the table are, you know, the revenue projections, um, the, you know, the kind of the blocking out of uh, what current expenditures or what, what holdover expenditures are going to be. You know, you, you had of all of that. Then the question becomes, okay, what's new? What's different? How do you want to change it? So you have uh, uh, the new governor coming in using the old governor's base, but being able to change it in a direction that you were always um, uh, talking about in the campaign trail or what was going on out there, et cetera. So it, it actually it's an intense amount of work. It's a, it's a huge amount of work but to put that budget together. But it does you have a leg up because the outgoing governor has presented uh, certain items of that budget which are helpful. But it's a little bit different situation. I mean, first of all, the, the circumstances – um, and, and, and maybe, I mean, cause you, you certainly came into some pretty tumultuous fiscal times as well. So maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm certain, but obviously North Dakota is in a very, I don't want to say precarious, but a, a situation where, where we need some, some strong leadership. Um, and also we have in Burgum, somebody who came in very much critical of, of the status quo. I mean, very critical of what he described on the campaign trail as the good old boys club very critical of of the status quo didn't necessarily criticize governor dalrymple directly but if you're going to be critical of the fiscal situation the states that the state is in and the fiscal decisions uh, that have been made in the state the only people to blame for that are a the legislature and b the governor so now burgum i mean how, how much how much is burgum going to be willing and i i guess maybe this is a question for doug burgum but how willing is he going to be to use a, a budget from a governor whose work he was pretty critical of on the campaign trail I think that um, you, you, as I mentioned, you use that, that budget as a base. When I, when I came in, um, it was a little different situation because we were coming off a Democrat governor to a Republican governor, so there were some changeovers. And when the, when the Democrat governor presented that budget in the pre-session, um, that was, it had tax increases in it. I had been out on the campaign trail saying we're not having any tax increases. You know, there were fee increases. I was out on the campaign trail saying we're not going to have any fee increases. You know, so we had to kind of revamp the budget from, uh, from the Democrat philosophy to the Republican philosophy in a short period of time. In this case, I think while our new governor-elect, Doug Burgum, hasn't been exposed to the budget and you know, it doesn't have any workings, uh, you know, with the Office of Management of Budget, et cetera, you still, I think you have a, a base for it. But the, but the reality is, you know, I, I talked to Governor-elect Burgum, you know, uh, several times about the budgeting process, and I reminded him that the first people who attacked me uh, in the way that I wanted to do the budget, in the way that I wanted to look at revenues, in the way that I thought that we should operate the state, the first people attacked me were Republican legislators. <laughs> and so, you know, he's going to go in and he'll soon understand that legislators have a certain mission. They have their eye on what they have done in the past. They, you know, they're somewhat defensive that, you know, we spent our way into this problem, but that was okay. And he will face, uh, you know, a tense relationship between the legislature and the executive branch or the governor's office we have just um, a couple that's okay uh, i mean that's the way it works yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a couple of minutes left i want to switch gears on you um we have the dakota access protests they've been going on for months now uh, we have chairman archambault asking the protesters to leave the camp it, it, it seems like between the weather and some of the tribal leadership <laughs> urging the people to leave the camps 
that that maybe we'll get some some peace here for a while. But my larger question is, how do you, I mean, as, as a former governor, how, how do you think the state has handled this? There's been a lot of criticism of the law enforcement response, a lot of criticism of, of, of the leadership from our elected officials. Has the state done a, done a good job with this? Uh, I don't think the state has done a good job. Uh, you know, the, the, a couple of things are going on. Certainly the state didn't respond immediately and, in my opinion, didn't respond well to uh, the concerns, the legitimate concerns that the that the tribes seem to have, the three affiliated, I mean, excuse me, the Standing Rock Sioux Indian Reservation, you know, the the council there and the pre- and the chairman were saying, well, you know, we're worried about the water. How do how can we protect our water? Uh, we're worried about cultural sites. How do we do that? Instead of the state responding and saying, here's how we're gonna, you know, do it. Here's how we've, you know, moved that pipe 44 different times for cultural. Issues, or you know, some. What I, I'm inventing that number, but it's some number. Um, you know, forty some times that 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 pipeline was moved for cultural reasons and heritage reasons, and I think that's important. You know, we never talked about that. We didn't talk about the positive aspects of the pipeline and the fact that it's the safest ever pipe that's ever been built. And the thing that I don't understand right now is how the feds are handling this. Uh, while the state certainly could have communicated better, could have interacted with the tribes better, um, you know, it just kind of got out of hand. And so now we have the federal government in there saying, well, we're going to look at a different, we're going to look at a different uh, routing, uh, see if we can reroute that pipe. And you go, well, okay, tell me the difference of this. If right now, if the pipe is 70 miles away from the intake of the, um, of the reservation water system, and so you move the pipe, what, 40 miles north, 50 miles north, you know, wherever. I mean, you move the pipe, it's still on the go, it has to go into the river. So is, is 70 miles a magic number, 100 or 150? I mean, what's yeah. the magic number, uh, you know, to, to save the water, protect the water, right? The, 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 that's not the point of crossing. It's the point of how are you going to eliminate the risk of a burst pipe as much as possible? And that. I think is something that we just haven't addressed. Yeah. Meanwhile, the uh, it does cross the Missouri. The first time it crossed the Missouri River, it's 14 miles up upstream from Williston's water intake, which is something that. And by the way, the, the number of the pipe was moved 140 times in North Dakota for times. for various reasons, cultural reasons, environmental impact reasons. I mean, lots. Of, I mean, the, the pipeline company certainly seemed willing to move this pipe around uh, to, to address concerns. Uh, Governor, we're out of time though. Thanks for your time. I, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Good to be on. Former Governor Ed Schaefer. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We'll wrap this up and hand it over to Jay Thomas. Don't go away. Welcome back. You know, I'm just reading on uh, social media all the protesters down at the camp telling people to call the National Guard, call Mart- Morton County, tell them to come down there and help them out. You know, and, and absolutely, I, I, I know that the state will provide everything that they can. Uh, news from the Associated Press, Morton County built shelters, uh, one in Mandan, I think one down uh, near the protest site. Uh, if, if some of the protesters needed to come in and for a warm place to stay, uh, I think they had dozens of people staying in them last night. Uh, I, I know that our first responders in this state uh, will respond to any emergency at that camp and help people out where they can. It's just ironic to me that this is happening um, 
that they're calling on on these these supposedly racist law enforcement people who were supposedly throwing grenades at the protesters and all the other wild claims that we've seen. But now, you know, this this weather has turned serious. It's it's winter in North Dakota is no joke. We joke about it a lot, but when you're out in it and you're not necessarily prepared for it and you're not necessarily used to it and you're camping out in it, it is potentially life-threatening. And I know our first responders will do everything they can to try to keep everybody safe, but there's only so much you can do to protect people from themselves. And it's ironic to me that they're reaching out to the people that they've been demonizing now for weeks and months. They're now reaching out to them for help. You know, I can see it on social media. They're saying, call the National Guard, call Morton County, tell them to do this, tell them to do that. Um, You know what you have protesters out to do? Uh, At the next safe time, you ought to leave the camp. German Archambault doesn't want you anymore. The Sioux Tribal Elders are calling for you to leave. You've made your point. All politics aside, go home. The longer you're out there, the more likely it is that you're going to get hurt, the more likely it is that you're going to put some first responder out there trying to take care of you, out there trying to protect you, put them at risk too. That's not fair. Thanks for listening. You can catch me here on WDAY Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Jay Thomas taking over. Coming up next, thanks for listening.